Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank, I'm Branham, it's Joe George behind the glass, and it is a Thursday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. How's everybody doing today? Everybody good? Good, good. Baker's good, Joe good. Busy, but good. Joe's been... uh, Professor George. Joe's been very busy. Yeah, I mean, I just asked him if if I had permission to enter the classroom, because he's got, like, interns at every station. I was... Getting them up to speed. Mass training session. Yes. Should I be concerned about the quality of our show today? No. The rundown's been done for four hours. Just wondering. Just wondering. Is that that too long ago? Is there there new stuff that didn't make... Like the waiver wire. The waiver Uh, wire. You want to have waiver wire radio? It'll make me sad. That's That's all it was. I kind of like... It made you sad? It made me sad. I was excited. I just wanted to see the Astros get someone. You were happy because no contenders got them? Because, yeah, absolutely. Like, there is no way that those pitchers were going to get to you anyways. Like, Matt, all three pitchers got claimed by the Guardians, by the way. Yep. Uh, Matt Moore, Reynaldo Selfish. Lopez, Lucas Giolito. Selfish by me or the guards? The guards. <laughs> I love that the guards landed them all. Look, those guys were never going to get to you. Let me break it to you. Those guys were never going to make it to the Astros. The Rangers would have had claims on all three of those guys. And because the Rangers lost yesterday to the Mets, the Rangers had better waiver priority than the Astros did. Was it so what? seeing that the Guardians landed all three of those guys, I was excited with the news. Well, my curiosity was when did when did they take the record last night? Uh, last night's game. I thought it was when they were I was, when uh, they were put on waivers. I didn't know. I did a deep dive after okay. the show yesterday and Ken Rosenthal had it in his article in the Athletic. So the fact that the Rangers had a better waiver claim than you, I was rooting when the waiver claim hit earlier today. I was rooting that somebody like the Guardians or the Marlins or the Reds would be very active in claiming those guys because they were never going to get to you. The Rangers, I'm sure, had claims on all three of those guys. How would they not? They have a lousy bullpen. Yeah, the bullpen sucks. Like they have a lousy, they would have claimed all three of them. I had heard Miami was going to be active. Yeah. Um, I did not know how, and I appreciate you. Because I did not know. You should say that more often. I think I, I would never do that. But I, I do. I, I was curious as to when when the records came into play went to set the order. Yeah, I was too. I, yeah, I was confused because I wasn't sure if it was whenever they were put on waivers or like the night before they can be claimed. And it is the night before they can be claimed. So it actually went into effect yesterday, last night. the The standings after last night's games were the was the waiver wire priority. So the Rangers had a better claim than the Astros did. So I was excited whenever the. Guardians picked them up because they were never going to get to the Astros. I, I thought it was good news. I, it, it also kind of I don't think those guys me. are going to be factors in the playoffs. I was going to really. say it puzzles like they, me because Cleveland's, them. what, five out of the wild card? I mean, no, they're five, out, five of the out of the division. But, I mean, that's in play. And I think they have a weekend series against Minnesota. I mean, you sweep them. It's a two-game you know, deficit in the division. You have 22, 23 games right. left to play after that. Like, And, plus, it doesn't cost that much money. Yeah. Like, that's why all of these guys were – like, Randall Gruchek didn't get claimed. He's been lousy in, in Anaheim. I didn't realize how bad he's been once he got traded to Anaheim. But none of these guys are going to cost you a significant amount of money because right. you're paying one month of their contract. So, like, I'm sure that I'm sure that these guys got claimed by pretty much every team from the Guardians all the way through the the, the Atlanta Braves, the best record in baseball. Yeah, no, that that's that's an interesting factor because when I look at it, I thought, well, obviously the Rangers need bullpen help. We don't want any of that happening. Uh, I did look at Giolito's record and. I don't know if it's something in the water in Anaheim, but everybody goes to Anaheim to just die as a, a from a statistical basis. Giolito was like one in five with yeah. a plus six ERA, and that was horrible. Um, Moore had Moore had good numbers, and and you know the the expected numbers go up a little bit, but at the same time, everybody would love to have a guy like that in their bullpen. 
But I, I looked at it, and, and even with Renfro going, I thought, well, where's the upgrades from Jake? Is is Gerchuk still an upgrade from Jake? And can you expect that in, in a new circumstance with a chance to really win, could he give you more offensively than Jake or more consistency offensively than Jake? Because I think defensively it might be a wash. Although well, Gerchuk's a really good defensive outfielder. I looked into that. Gerchuk's played like two games in center field this year. Is that right? Yeah, so I'm not sure if he's lost that ability. Like, it, Jake Myers has played center field at a very high level. So I think, like, Gruchek went unclaimed. Would, he, would Gruchek give you more offensively than Jake Myers? Yes. Plus he he's from would. here. Yeah, he's from here. Yeah. But Jake Myers is a better defender at this point of time. Like, you really don't need another offensive outfielder. Like, with the addition of Brantley, you have Chaz in the mix, you have Jordan in the mix. Of course, Kyle Tucker's locking up right field. I think that they feel that there's better... Like, Jake Myers can give them defense off the bench, which makes sense with the way that this team is constructed. And I didn't realize how bad Gruchek had been in Anaheim. He's hitting like Martin Maldonado. He's hitting like 170. So, it's not... Like, are you shaking up the clubhouse, sending down Myers, who's your best defensive center fielder? I, I thought it was the right decision See, after diving into it a little bit more. And that's why my thinking was, look, if he was a significant upgrade offensively to where if you had corner outfielders that could help make it up defensively, mm-hmm. then it's one thing. But if it's not that great, uh, uh, much of an upgrade offensively, defensively, I think Jake covers enough ground. And yes, sometimes he takes bad routes and his arm isn't great, but what he can do defensively tracking down fly balls and showing you that he can be an above-average center fielder, if all other things are you know even or in his in his favor, then you just stay, stay status quo. Like think about it from a playoff perspective and managing a game. Like Myers and Gruchek are both not starting because you're going right. to have Brantley Yordan left field DH. You're going to have Chaz in center mm-hmm. field unless Verlander's pitching, and then maybe it's Dubon. Uh, you're going to have Kyle Tucker in right field. The best chance for either Gruchek or Myers to play is for like a late game defensive substitution. And Gruchek might not even be a center fielder anymore. Whereas Myers comes in for Brantley, Jordan, play center, you move Chaz over to left, gives you your best defensive outfield. So, yes, Gruchek's a much better offensive player. I think that the way that they're built, assuming everybody stays healthy, it, it makes sense to me that they, they choose Myers over Gruchek. And then the only other thing I would say is if they're coming in as a pinch running option, mm-hmm. then who's a better base runner and who's yeah. faster? I mean, and Myers it, again, has more speed, but I don't think he's a better base runner. Like, I don't think kind of a wash yeah, I don't maybe. think mentally the savviness of mm. knowing the situation goes his favor. <laughs> no. Speed could. But again, if it's close to a push, then don't rock the boat. Don't don't need to make changes. I, the, the biggest thing to me was I did not know when the clock yeah. started ticking on where no the one, records fell. You know, in. one other thing with the waiver wire, too, I don't like how they get the claims for every single player. Like, it worked in this situation. It should be like fantasy football. It should. Right. It, it worked in this situation because, like, if the guards only pick one, then maybe the Rangers get a reliever, which I didn't want. So it works in this situation selfishly. From, like, a big-picture view of how, like, the optimal way to handle this waiver wire, it should absolutely be like fantasy football. It's, I mean, You pick up one guy, and then you go back to the end of the list. It's insane that and they got look, three guys and the Reds got two. I'm okay, too, if it resets every day. Like, if it reset every day, that's fine. Like, but that single day where the waivers hit, you only get one player that day. Tomorrow, you can reset the whole list again. But the fact that the Guardians got three players, the Reds got two, I find to be pretty funny, pretty hilarious. No, I'm with you because I was at, talking about it with some of the guys at the gym today, and I said, hey, look, I don't know, but I assumed it was like fantasy football. Yes. If you take one it and be. it falls to you <laughs> and you get your first pick, but whoever you take, at that point, you go to the end of the line. The fact that they, got, that they just went in bunches was just bizarre.
Yeah, I like that it happened this year that way because I think it actually worked out in the best way for the Astros. If the Guardians got all three, you're probably not going to have to worry about those guys as opposed to the Guardians picking off one, the Reds picking off one, the Twins picking off one, and then the Rangers get like Matt Moore. Mm -hmm. So I think from an Astros perspective, this was the best thing from an Astros point of view, bigger picture, MLB point of view. I think it's stupid that you have these salary dumps late in August. They need to fix that. And I think the waiver priority where you can pick up three guys is pretty silly as well. Uh, game three yesterday was happening while we were doing radio. We, we were watching kind of out of the corner of our eye. Uh, went back and watched uh, the condensed game of this, I'll be honest. But the Astros jumped out to the 7 nothing lead. Fromber got a little shaky there in the sixth. I did watch that sixth inning because I was kind of curious how it all happened. Fromber, I mean, wasn't great in the sixth inning. The, the inning started with a swinging butt. So, like, let's let's consider that. That inning also had a Jeremy Pena error. Let's yeah. consider that. So, Fromber, at the end of the day, gives up four runs over six. Two of them were earned. Two of them were unearned. Look, I'll take this start from Fromber Valdez every day. We see bipolar Fromber Valdez again, where most of the time he's really, really good. Every now and then he'll show you the the other side, the bipolar side, the bad side. Saw a little bit of that in the sixth inning, but it seems like Fromber Valdez has kind of uh, figured out his little woes after the All-Star break. I, again, have full confidence handing the ball to Fromber Valdez every fifth day. I do, too, but I was going to ask you guys. The one thing that I was thinking about, because we saw this, and you and I talked about it yesterday, about when you get Fromber to a certain point in the game, he can turn what otherwise looks like a really good effort, a good start, something you can get behind and really be encouraged by, and it can flip the, flip the script in a minute, in, in less than a minute, and suddenly you're looking at people talking and bashing from Valdez. Yesterday was another example of where I thought, and I, I'm interested in your guys' thoughts, Dusty might be at the point now where he knows there's a threshold, whether it be this, you start at the sixth inning or you say that there's a certain, a certain pitch number where I have to have a guy ready to go and completely hot, ready to, ready to enter the game, because in a moment's notice, whether it's his fault or not, if there's some traffic, the doors can come off in a hurry. Yeah, I think that if, like, let's measure this out 1 to 10, like, what is the urgency of a hook from Dusty Baker with Fromber? I think last year when he was, you know, top three Cy Young, Fromber Valdez, it was probably a 1. Like, you're, you're trusting you Fromber Valdez out. all the yep. time. I think I think right now, right now, regular season, final 27 games, I'm probably, like, at a 3. Like, I'm going to let Fromber kind of figure things out during the regular season. But in the playoffs, whenever it gets turned up a little bit, and most managers, you know, turn the uh, the threshold over a little bit too on how quick their hook is, I, I would put it at about a six or a seven because he does have – look, I call him bipolar. Like, Fromber Valdez can be bipolar. Let, let's be very honest about the situation. I thought yesterday in the six was a combination of he got hit a bit, but also the defense didn't help him out. He started the inning with an infield single. Like, you can't, like, Urias had a swinging bunt down the third baseline. Look, you can't do anything about that. Now, he gives up a double to Cassis. You don't love that. Then the next dude, Connor Wong, go Cougs, uh, reaches base because of an error by Jeremy Pena. So, a lot in that inning was one unlucky swinging bunt. Didn't get help from Jeremy Pena behind him. And he got hit a little bit, but that inning was far worse because of the unluckiness of a swinging butt. Uh, the, the the glove there of Jeremy Pena with the error. But I'm with you. Uh, the, the hook on Fromber Valdez is much higher today than it was August 31st, 2022. And then once you get to the playoffs, I think it's, I think it's pretty quick. I think it's kind of super quick, especially with the strength of your bullpen. Yeah, no. And Joe, I don't know your thoughts on it as well. I just think that it, I agree with what Jeremy said in terms of my thought process is different than a year ago. My thought process is different than the first half of this season because the first half of this season when he was dealing, I didn't have any doubt that this was a guy, even when he got into trouble, he could minimize the damage. Now I feel like there is a threshold point, whether it's his own you know, errors or, or his own fault or not, 
in which the doors could come off in, in an instant and you could be looking at panic mode and Dusty know who he likes to kind of say, if we start an inning, I'll eventually get a guy up kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I think when it comes to Fromber, you got to know at a certain point in the sixth inning maybe, you get a guy hot, ready to go no matter what because you just don't know. I mean, not yesterday in the sixth inning, you're not getting a guy hot there because, I mean, he was, no, he he was, was cruising yeah, yeah. five shutout innings. But I think I, you're on to something. I'm with yeah, you here. I'm, I'm with you here. It is a, it's quicker than it's been in the past. Uh, the postseason turns it up even a, you know a notch higher than that as well. But the start of the sixth inning yesterday, there's no way you're having somebody up with Framber Valdez who was cruising. The pitch count was very, very good. That sixth inning just kind of got away from him. Some of it was his own fault. Some of it was the defense. Some of it was a little bit of bad luck. But I, I agree with you. The, the hook has to be a little bit quicker in the playoffs. I'm not willing to go there in the regular season. I don't know how much you guys like fall in like the baseball and, and just sports in general. Or Do life I follow super, it? No, superstitions. <laughs> Uh, like how much you fall, like fall in like superstitions? Little, I dabble. Do you guys, when I'm not looking at the stock market, I'll glance at it. Fall, whatever. Do you guys believe in superstitions? Um, I don't necessarily. Like I don't like no get, hitter type stuff. No, like the oh. the orange oh, jersey, the orange jersey thing. Oh, uh, he I'm wore not, the blue yeah. jersey, the blue homes. It was like adamant. He always had to wear it. He did, and then it was like he had two bad starts this year for a chunk of time. They were the only starts he didn't wear the home Sunday blues, and now he's going back to back orange jerseys. Yeah, like I don't know. It's just like this weird thing with Frommer. Like he was so adamant. I have to wear these jerseys. I have to wear well, them. He's, he's going poorly, so he switched it up. I guess. And I guess now we're orange shirts. That's what guys? happened. He was going poorly, and he switched it up. That's exactly I what guess. happened. I'm not. I'm not um, a superstitious guy, but I'm also a believer. If it's working, don't switch it. So like, I guess, yeah. I'm kind of talking out of both I've sides said, of my mouth. I've said this before because you know I lean a little bit more towards, especially when it involved me personally, like in college. If I had a streak rolling, if I had several wins in a row, and things like that. I would not wash my stirrups, and I would not oh, wash, and I would not wash my wool sleeves, my under jersey. And you wore the same sock. I'm sure there were guys on my team that didn't want to smell it if it was near in my near near Did, my locker. Were they normally smelling it? No, but no, I'm saying like you didn't want to smell it walking it. by it is what I meant. <laughs> but I literally, yeah, there were superstitions that I had as well that you know if I had a certain pair of spikes that I knew that I was throwing well when I wore them, I wasn't changing them. I, I I mean, there's pictures that are that way, and like I'm I again, I'm not superstitious. I don't care that people are. If Fromber is going to pitch better when he wears orange, by goodness sakes, let him wear orange. Who cares, right? Like let if 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 it helps bipolar Fromber Valdez out in any way, let's do the best for bipolar Fromber. Seven one three seven eight zero ESP. No, I was just gonna say we know. Like certain pitchers, when they're hyper superstitious, the mental yeah. part of the game matters. Like if you have confidence, confidence is a very, very important thing to a lot of players. And if they feel like they got something extra when they make it wear a uniform or do something a certain way, let them keep doing it. Yeah, get out of the way. Get out of the way. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. The HRP listener line. Uh, great show in store today. I mean, the rundown's been done for four hours. That's how good it is. Uh, Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. Yeah, we stole him. He's going to be joining us at four o'clock. There's college. There's a significant college football game on uh, tonight. Lee Sterling will be on to handicap uh, the first real week of college football. It is Bad Take Boulevard at four thirty. We got some. Interesting names on Bad Take Boulevard. Maybe some first-timers on Bad Take Boulevard that I cannot wait for. We might have also buried the lead. Astros jumped the Rangers in the division yesterday. Uh, 713-780-3776. We're on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN97.5. He's at Pac-Man Joel. I'm at Jeremy Branham. He's at Joe George Radio. If for some reason, you want to get a hold of him. Uh, your thoughts on the Astros sweeping Boston 
Also, let's get into the Astros passing the Rangers in the American League West. Still chasing the Mariners. How good is the vibe right now around the local nine? Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5. Andy, Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Fromber was doing good until Pena spiked the ball and Big John, who can't scoop ice cream, missed it. Eh. Singleton's not a great scooper. He did have a pretty good scoop later in that inning, though, when Fromber made that great play up the middle, or Pena made the great play up the middle, yep. which kind of saved that inning a little bit more. So Pena kind of was part of the destruction of that inning, and then he kind of saved that inning a little bit with that play up the middle. But yeah, Pena, he also had that play in the ninth. ninth in the ninth tough uh, with one. Presley. It hit, kind of hit the heel of the glove. Just tough short hop, hit yeah. hard, tough play. I kind of want my shortstop to make that play. Would have been a good play, absolutely. Would have been a really good play. It was called a hit. Rightfully so. Should have been a hit. I like my shortstops to make those plays. Uh, the Astros did set a record yesterday, too, by the way, Blankers. The the most hits that they've had in a five-game stretch in franchise history. That's kind of significant. It when you're runs. doing something that a franchise has never done before, pretty significant. Really cool seeing Michael Brantley, too, uh, getting in on the ag. Michael Brantley picking up a couple of hits, knocked in a couple of runs. Michael Brantley looks pretty darn good. Like, I don't want to get the cart ahead of the horse here a little bit, but Michael Brantley's looking good. No doubt about it. I mean, when you look at what he's done so far, even without the hits of yesterday, we were talking about the fact, unlike when we were saying with Singleton early on or with Jolks, hey, look, they're scorching the ball. It's just at people. And then it got worse and worse and worse. He scorched the ball the first day and had an offer to show for it. And then he comes right back and continues to hit the ball very, very hard the next day. Yeah. Only now he's got more to show for it and runs batted in to come with it. And you're like, you know what? If this is the Uncle Mike that you're getting back, and this, this, you're going to probably have to find a way to make sure, as, as Dusty and, and everybody, even Todd Callis said with us, he's got to be in there all the time because he's one of the better hitters over the last five-plus years in the American League. He's showing that right now. Yeah, he's uh, he hasn't missed a beat. Like, I'm stunned, honestly, with his... Like, doing it in AAA is one thing. You get to the big leagues, and all of a sudden, you, you go 0-4 for 4 in the first game where you hit the ball hard each time. You have a bunch of really good takes along the way. And then yesterday, he's crushing the baseball. Like, he burned Verdugo with his first hit, the double, the ground rule double. And then he gets a hard, you know, line, soft line drive into right field. Like, Brantley's looking good at the plate. Really encouraging. Uh, one of the negatives, though, Kendall Graveman uh, left the game with some back tightness. I hope this is minor. Look, even if this is minor blankers, I would put him on the injured list before tomorrow's game. Uh, I'm thinking big picture with this team. I'm thinking playoffs with this team. You have 27 games left to play. I don't need Kendall Graveman for the first 13 games of those 27. I need him for the final 14 of those 27 and then into the postseason. Backs can be tricky. I throw on my back a couple of times. It takes you about a week before you're even walking normal again. I'm putting Kendall Graveman on the injured list right away. I know rosters expand tomorrow. You can bring up one pitcher already. The heck with it. Bring up two pitchers and put Kendall Graveman on the IL. I do not want to mess around with Kendall Graveman trying to rush back, trying to get back in a hurry, re-aggravates the injury, and then he's done for the rest of the year. Not only that, you already dealt with Maton having to, to to sit out for a bit. When he came back, he didn't look really like him, his real self altogether yet. So with the stretch run coming, with the fact that you do have you know enforcements on the way as well as what you already have, that's been pretty damn good at the back of the bullpen. I think you're fine in making sure that he is ready to go come playoff time or the last week or two of the season. If you can give him a little extended rest, you're right. This is not the time of the year. And especially with veteran guys, it's maybe never the time of year, and the Astros are, are, are going to border, as Dusty even says, when they tell me I'm ready, they're ready, he's going to give them an extra day. Well, if you know that he's not ready, let's make sure that we give him enough days 
so that when you truly do need him and have to lean on him, he's ready. I would IL him like that, like that. Greg Rajon went on me a Twitter and said, I don't know baseball. said, oh, you can retroact. I don't care. Like You have a bad back. Let's just cure this right away. Get you ready for the final 15 games. Get you ready for the playoffs. Not messing around with a guy's back that I desperately, maybe not desperately, that I really need in the postseason. Well, not even messing with it. Here's the thing. If it was like Altuve and Jordan when they were dealing with the obliques, if you knew that it was already, there was discomfort, then you're really you're you're messing with a fine line to where you really don't want to screw with that. Mm-hmm. If he just had, as we all have from time to time, like you know, you either you just twist or twerk or bend down the wrong way, and you feel something, and it was just like a spasm, and you think it's going to go away, then there's probably no need to do it. But you're right; you don't take chances at this time of the year. How many times have you done that? Because I've done it like seven or eight times, like maybe even a dozen times. I, 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 I went through a stretch where my back was really, really like. It could it, it could go out of whack in a, in a heartbeat, and it's not fun because you know you could be feeling completely normal, and you know you one of your kids drops a toy or something, and you go yeah. to pick it up, and you're just like, oh god, man, it's I like, can't move. It's like a week before you feel 100 percent again. Like yeah. <laughs> it really. I mean, we're finely tuned athletes, so we know all about this. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Astros have passed the Rangers. Blankers. This was the big deal yesterday. Uh, Aroldis Chapman hit a guy with the bases loaded. That's how the walk off run scored. Bases loaded, hit a batter. Of course, you're still chasing the kind of chasing the Mariners. You're, you're in a virtual tie with the Mariners. There are percentage points ahead of you, but a virtual tie. Uh, with the Mariners. How good is the vibe right now around this Houston Astros team? I think it's really good. I, I think that you go all the way back to the team meeting, whether you wanted to make fun of it or who led it or whatever, it doesn't matter because it was kind of like the first step in getting everybody to refocus, dial back in, and understand what needed to be done. And then the, the next wake-up call would be the blowout against the Red Sox at Minute Maid because now it was like put up or shut up time again. The meeting worked for a couple of games, but here you are, what are you going to do? And you're going on the road. And you come back off the road with only one loss, and arguably you, could, you should have swept this, the entire run. And now you're building confidence. In the postgame, you're hearing Bregman talking about the fact that it's go time, and they're, they want to win every game. And you just feel like within that entire clubhouse, there's a vibe right now. Not only can we do it, we will do it, and we're going to do it every single game. And I think they're feeling really good about themselves right now. Yeah, vibes are good. I'm a big vibe guy. And the vibes are good right now with, with the Astros. The way that they're clicking it offensively. I think that's what you, like, the offense had struggled, really, for a good chunk of the year. I would say it's because you're missing your two best offensive players. Although it could be arguable now because Kyle Tucker's kind of in that conversation now as well with Altuve and Alvarez. But Altuve missed a good chunk of games. Jordan missed 40-something games. You miss those type of players in your lineup. Your offensive numbers, when you look at the overall season, aren't going to be nearly as good. But now that everybody's back, the Astros are showing you that they're a team that can carry uh, you know, their team in any single game offensively. The starting pitching has been a little bit shaky, but it seems like it's settled down a bit. Fromber's been better. Justin Verlander's been better. J.P. France rebounded nicely after a poor start. Hunter Brown was good in his last start after a poor start. And then this bullpen's good. This bullpen's very good. So I don't know how the vibes could be bad with this team well, right now entering the Yankee series tomorrow. And we talk about the mental aspect of it. We were just talking about it previously it means something, right? If you have self-confidence, if you feel like you can go out and be a one-man army that can just take out whoever comes in your in your path, it means something. Because when you're tentative, when you really don't feel like you believe in your stuff, if you're a pitcher 100%, or believe that and no matter who throws what at you that you can hit it, you're already kind of behind the eight ball before you step in the box or toe the rubber. The fact when you come in with all that confidence brewing and you feel like, you know what, I'm invincible today, 
it gives you a little extra when when you're when you're performing, especially in a professional level. I like the fact that this team isn't hemming and hawing or a dauber down or feeling bad about if something doesn't go their way. They feel like they can beat everybody they play every single game that they're on the field. That's what you want. And I feel confident that they can, yep. especially in the American League. The, the Braves might be a different animal, uh, not the key from L.A. Dodgers, but the Braves are a different animal, but I'm not worried about that. Like, I don't worry about the National League. Like, if, if I meet a team in the World the Series, it's really series. good, cool. I'm in the World Series. Like, it's not a bad consolation prize. Cool, we're in the World Series. I usually only worry about the American League, and I'm confident that the Astros can beat every single team in the American League. The vibes are, are immaculate, immaculate vibes uh, for the Houston Astros. 9780 says that he feels better about the Astros on the road than at home. Look, the record would, would, would advocate that too. 42 and 27 on the road, 35 and 31 at home. It's weird. You know what I'd say, though? In the playoffs, I, w- I, I would hope you don't feel that way because there's a vibe that when you walk into Minute Maid Park for a playoff game and there's an energy that comes with this team in that ballpark that I never worry about the Astros at home. And you look at what they did last year. You look at even, you know, when, when Jordan hit the bomb against Seattle and they came back and people hung with them till the very end when he did those kind of things. I just feel like the playoffs are a different animal in that regard, and that's a hell of a home field advantage at Minute Maid. Fishing with Dana. I love the vibes. Who doesn't love the vibe? The vibes are great right now for the Astros. 713-780-3776. HRP listener line. Best and worst case scenario for Will Anderson in 2023. I would take a certain projection right now today and never look back. It's Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 ESPN. And 92.5. The Houston Cougars in their Love Ya Coug Blue taking on UTSA Saturday. We're celebrating the first game as members of the Big 12. We're also celebrating Houston as we pay homage to the Houston football past in this city. Because we're in the Big 12 and because Case Keenum's great, call their number 7 and 12 right now to 713-780-3776. You win a pair of tickets to the U of H game on Saturday, 6 o'clock kick, Houston UTSA. You can also get a family four-pack, four tickets, uh, four hot dogs, four chips, four sodas, all for just $60. UHCougars.com slash tickets or 713-GO-COUG to get your tickets now. Tickets are also just $20, individual tickets, or if you want to get a ticket and parking, $15 ticket, $15 parking option as well. So many options, a family four-pack for 60 bucks, individual tickets for 20 or you can get a $15 ticket, $15 parking option as well. Caller 7, caller 12, 713-780-3776. You're going to Houston at UTSA Saturday at 6 as college football season is here. We haven't talked about, we're going to talk about this in greater detail later. Um, I am wearing my Love Ya Coug Blue hat today in, in honor of the unveiling of the uniforms that the Houston Cougars will be wearing on Saturday. Uh, did you take? Did you see? See these? I was going to ask you about that. I you have haven't not seen, seen them. Those. I have not. Oh boy! Um, a lot of textures have already like sent us a bunch of stuff too. Like, hey, have you seen the uniforms? These uniforms are sweet. These uniforms are cool. They're pretty much the Houston Oilers uniforms, except they don't have the oil, Derek. They just have Houston across the chest, and then they have Houston on the helmet. I mean, they're identical. These are sweet. These are awesome. I cannot wait to see them up close and in personal. What's on the helmet? It's just Houston. In, in uh, the, oh, I like the script, it. it's it's that Houston right there, just that that Houston uh-huh. font on the helmet in the love you Coug blue. I kind of like it because it's, Sweet. it's kind of a kick in the in the groin to the Adams family, while they get kind of indirectly in the middle of all the back and forth with Texans and and and. 
Titans, and they I love they this. take it over. I like it a lot. I love this. I love the font too. Like I think it's being a little overlooked with the love you Coug blue. Yeah. Then you have the you know the scarlet of U of H, uh, and then that that font that Houston has. I love these. These are sweet. These are these are awesome. Um, that's awesome, man. So I love much, the fact that the you know, Cougs are I, literally. I think there's a little game gamesmanship in, in play too because we know it's been a back and forth with. Tennessee and with Houston in the NFL, and they get in the middle and do it that way and do it right. Celebrate Houston week because this is Houston's birthday week, and they're celebrating Houston by paying a little homage to the Houston football history in this city. I love it. It's a great idea. Happy one hundred eighty seventh birthday! Yeah. I think it is right. One eighty seven. These are sweet. I'm hoping to uh, hoping to cop a hat uh, while I'm there. Uh, Will Anderson, Will Anderson, the the rookie for the Texans, the best uh, first defensive rookie picked in the 2023 NFL draft. Best and worst case scenario. What is the range for Will Anderson Blankers? What's the worst case scenario? Let's assume health as always. Okay. Worst case, best case scenario for Will Anderson and his uh, his maiden voyage in the NFL. So for year one, I would say similar to Sauce Gardner, he's the defensive rookie of the year. The best case, uh, I think. Best case is he's not only defensive rookie of the year, but he makes the Pro Bowl. And okay, he, you, you know, you, you're, you're being realistic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I'm just I'm just saying. Look. I, I expect a lot from this guy for what they did to get him, whether it was him or Stroud, and how they did with the, what they did with the two picks. But I expect a lot of him because everything you hear from his days at Alabama to everything you've heard about at practice to you've seen in limited and, and to some you temper your expectations because it was preseason. But you overall have the feeling this guy has an it to him. He's got an it factor. Uh, he's going to be heard from and be a dominant player over his career for for year one without going completely overboard and, and setting like unachievable expectation. I believe he should be the defensive rookie of the year. Okay. I believe that he should make the Pro Bowl or could make the Pro Bowl, but I believe that this is a guy that if you're saying what's my top of the top level expectation for him, it's those two things and then if you want to get into sacks and tackles for loss, double digits. Okay. Um I wasn't going to go Pro Bowl, but we, I mean, because the Pro Bowl is Tyler it, Huntley made a Pro yeah, Bowl. Yeah, there's not a lot year. of shine to the yeah. Pro Bowl, and I'm not going to go as far to say in year 1 he's going to make all, all first pro. team all pro or second team especially, all pro, especially with as many good pass rushers right. there are uh, in the AFC, and I, th- I think that a lot of times too that the pass rusher position is a little bit more difficult to be an all pro early than a corner because I, I think that there is a little bit of a reputation bias there, and then those guys also put up numbers like corners. Like what numbers are you looking at? Really, I mean, interceptions Picks sometimes. Yeah, but passes even, defended even, if they even, look that far. Even that sometimes though I think can be overrated because like. Go back, Deion Sanders would take off, take uh, one half of the football field away, and they just wouldn't throw his way. Right. So he can't put up the interceptions, the, the PBUs, because they're not throwing at him. They're not challenging him. So I think sometimes those numbers can be overrated a little bit, whereas sacks, I mean, you, you got to get sacks as, right. a, as a pass rusher. you got to get hurries. you got to get those TFLs. So I'm right there with you as best-case scenario. Like, that, that is what he does where he, he – look, he was the first rookie drafted on the defensive side of the ball. He is the favorite to be the defensive rookie of the year. He's tied with Jalen Carter. So he, best case scenario, yeah, the defensive rookie of the year, pro bowler, sure, because pro bowler is kind of watered down, saturated as it used to be in the past. And then from a number perspective, I'd be happy with 10 sacks. He gets double-digit sacks as a rookie. That's that's best case scenario yeah. for me. If he surpasses that, whatever. You give me to 10 sacks as a rookie, Will Anderson, that, that's best case scenario for me. And I said double-digit sacks and, and also tackles for loss. But yeah, definitely, if, if you're hovering around nine ten sacks and then you've got a, a good stable of tackles for loss 
that you know you're making a mark, not just for your football team, but you're making the league take notice that there's a guy we got to double team, there's a guy we got to plan for and scheme for because we know how destructive he can be, then you're doing your job. You are exact, you're living up to expectations for where you were taken and what they did to get you. I think it's a great first year. Yeah, I think it'd be a really good year. Worst case scenario, he just he just doesn't look good, right? Like he he gets beat up by offensive linemen. He has trouble trying to generate rush. He's not really you know impacting games. He's not impacting the passing game of the other team. I think that's worst case for Will Anderson. Worst case scenario for me is no one knows who he is. They yeah. don't know in Houston, or they're constantly looking for him and scrutinizing what he hasn't done. And nationally, no one knows what he's doing. I think it'd be more where's Waldo though, right? Because Everybody knows who Will Anderson is. Everybody, everybody knows that Will Anderson is going to be something that somebody that everybody watches. It'd be more like, why isn't he being impactful? Like, why is I he think, disappearing in defense? But I mean, all eyes are going to be on him. The scrutiny is going to be on, especially Will Anderson. locally. But I think nationally, it's basically in the twenty-four second news cycle of what have you done? And that's what we talk about. And so, if you haven't done anything, they're going to talk about the guys that have. And sure, if they're digging for a story or if there's a big game coming up on their network and they know the Texans are involved in it or you know it's got something to do with the Texans, they may mm-hmm. delve a little deeper to look for them. But if they're, they're normally talking about guys that make an impact, that make plays, that are highlight real material. If, we're, if nationally they're not talking about Will Anderson, then that, there's something that's not going well. NFL put together a uh, projection of all the defensive rookies in their rookie year, projected stats for every single defensive player. The projected stats they have for Will Anderson, Blankers, I would take in a heartbeat. I would take it right now and never look back. They project him at 60 tackles and 10 sacks. Okay. If he has 60 60 tackles and 10 sacks, he's going to be the defensive rookie of the year. If he has 60 tackles and 10 sacks, Houston Texan fans think that they have a cornerstone on the edge, and they would. They would be right. You get 10 sacks as a rookie in the NFL, you have what you feel like is a franchise defensive end in this league. No question about it. I mean, those are numbers, and that's just a starting point. I mean, that's something that's going to make everybody take notice. That's going to have everybody saying, you got the right guy. You did what you had to do. No matter what their record is and how much we may scrutinize Nick Casario for a move that whether it was right to make it or not, it's going to be a lot easier to swallow no matter if you have an underachieving record and you're you're on the underside of the total. Mm-hmm. If Will Anderson's playing like that and CJ doesn't crap the bed, then you feel a whole hell of a lot better about your future, regardless of where your pick lies. One one eight five in uh, all capital letters. The Alabama connection, Texans defense is awesome. There are, there are a lot of roll tide, starting yeah, with D'Amico sure Ryan's, Will Anderson, Christian Harris, Toe Toe. I'm sure I'm missing a guy or two as well. Uh, Joe Joe tends to be a little bit more hyperbolic uh, than, than you or I, uh, Blankers. Uh, Joe, what do you think is best case scenario for the Texans rookie Will Anderson? I think ten sacks like this season might be best case. See, they project in sacks. Which, like, like that surprises me as a projection. That seems pretty lofty that you would say double-digit as a rookie. That'd be awesome because, like, if he's getting that, he's going to be a topic on television like Micah Parsons. Like, it's he's, he's blowing up the NFL right away. Yeah. Like, so I, I hope that. Like, I was kind of thinking player scenarios here, too. Like, I think best case is Vaughn Miller. Like, that's the best Will that Anderson can be. coming out. Yeah. I think worst case and like still a really good player that ended up winning a couple Super Bowls at the end is Chris Long. Like that's still a really good football player, just never really lived up to the hype of the number one pick when the Rams took him. Von Miller six three two fifty, Anderson six four two forty three. So same like not a yeah. not a brute. I mean, Will Anderson's a brute, but not like a six seven six eight like JJ Watt type. Uh, Wasn't Chris Long more of a, a a true defensive lineman? No, he was an he was, outside he was a, guy. Yeah, he was an edge guy. 
for he, a while. Didn't, well, later in his career, yeah, then, later, they, like yeah. when he was with the Eagles in the past, they moved him they inside a little in. bit. When yeah. he, like when yep. he was at the back end of his career, Long was uh, Long's also six three, a little heavier it seems than Anderson, but I think same type of build. You know, where yeah. he's, he's counting more on speed than like than than like bull rush. Although Will Anderson's like, don't sleep on my bull rush. My bull rush is really really good. What did Von Miller have his rookie year uh, in terms of sacks? Because Look, I mean, you get to 10 sacks, double digits is more than Jadavian Clowney's ever done in a season. Von Miller had 11 and a half in year one, and he did it in 15 games. So he didn't play one game then. So if Anderson stays healthy, you'd have two more opportunities. Von Miller was the uh, defensive rookie of the year in 2011. If, okay. he, if he produces Von Miller, if, he, if he's Von Miller, we're, we're over the moon. If he's Von Miller, the Texans <laughs> nailed that. If he's, he's Micah Parsons trade. asking year one, you are giddy. I mean, that's, that's, that's like kind of, I, I wonder if we're reaching here a little bit. But like if, Von, if, if Will Anderson's Von Miller, especially early in his career, I don't think that we gripe about the trade. I don't, I don't know. I guess this is like semantics Unless a little bit. But sucks. do we have to uh, yeah, probably change the ten sack thing to eleven because of the extra game? No, no. We didn't. I mean, we didn't change did, the thousand yard rushing thing, which I, I mean is kind of a what did number anyway. Last year, I don't. I don't. Got, I don't think Hayden Hutchinson quite got to ten. I think he, he flirted with it because he, he had, had a couple like of picks. Half. He had a pick for a touchdown, which he never yeah, had before. He, he had three picks. Last he had nine year. and a half sacks, so he flirted with. it. He was really so. Close. I mean, if you have a Hayden Hutchinson type year. And, and I don't think I think those were his first interceptions of his career. I, I, Dude, I one of it. them, he like, was, it's tough as a defensive lineman. One of them, he was lined up like on the sidelines as like a ghost player. Why would you do that on defense? That Who had to be it? a mistake. Justin Fields. That oh, had there to been, that had no, been a mistake. Because I know why he got the not, one for a touchdown. Because Roger, it was like right this tool. weird screenplay they were going to run, and like Hutchinson was like on the sideline. To the, it must have just knew it was coming. Yes. It was so bad. <laughs> so, okay, if he's Hutchinson, nine and a half sacks, nine nine tackles for loss. Love it. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think you take I'm that. Sold. I'm now, so sold on he that. He finished second in defensive rookie of the year. Like, if Will Anderson's yeah. second in defensive rookie of the year, let's just say behind Jalen Carter, are you still as excited because Will Anderson was the first defensive player taken? Yes, because Jalen Carter was not in consideration for the Texans. That's what I was going to say, too, because as much as the we go back to the old days of how the Texans used to do it and they're trying to change a lot of that, one thing I still don't think that they're on board with is taking guys that have character issues or things that, that off the field they might have to deal with. They'd rather just wash their hands clean right from the jump and stay away from them. And so I don't think that they would get blamed for that. 713 780 ESPN. Almost gave away the ticket office number. 713 780 3776. Uh, first year, Will Anderson is Aiden Hutchinson. Nine and a half sacks, nine tackles for loss. You're cool with that. Even if it's runner-up for Defensive Rookie of the Year. 713-780-3776. Also, you have to make one Texans bet. We'll give you four options. You have to make one Texans bet. You got to put on the Homer hat for a second and make one Texans bet. Which of the four are you making? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92. Tony, uh, Tony Lonestar thinks that he got blocked on the text line because no one's reading his text. When you send 80 a day sometimes, you can't get to him. Blankers doesn't like you too much. I, 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 that's not true. I don't like I him. I love you, Tony Lone Star. Uh, I love you. You can text as often as you want. I love how dialed into the show he is. He just has to re- realize we can't be conversational in the middle of doing a show. Yeah, I don't care how much he texts, though. Uh, but we're not going to be able to read each one. It's just we, we get texts way too often. I mean, they come in like, you know, okay, well, seconds on a clock. And also, when you get the same text number, phone number, six straight texts, after the first couple, you just go, I can't read all these right now. 
Yeah, if I see that, I usually ignore them all. See, there you go. Yeah, I usually do it because it's just like, uh, this is a book. TLDR. I'm not going to read this. Keith from L.A., who also is looking for preferential treatment. Joe, over Mm -hmm. five on free ticket giveaways. Well. Thought I was a good friend of the hive. Good friends don't get special treatment like that, Key. Did you see the update, though? No. Apparently, he just won. Oh, did he? Well, then stop bitching. See? (laughs) I don't love that he just won. I don't like it either. he was griping. He was griping that he was 0 for 4, and then he texted after our latest giveaway. I wonder if he was Case Keenum, or I wonder if he was the big. 12. Uh, he, was, he was Big 12. So he was Big 12. So now he goes... Oh, no, no, no. no. He, he was Case Keenum. He was Case Keenum. So yeah. now he says, I'm 1-5. in five. I don't like that he was griping, and now he won... I don't like it either. Can we, re- can we rescind them? Yeah, but come no. say hello. Come say hello, Key from LA. I'd like to I'd like to meet you. I'll let you buy me a drink. Uh, 713-780 ESPN. probation still. <laughs> Is he? He should be on Bad Take Boulevard every week. Well, you can put him on Bad Take Boulevard. We have an I have doc. before. I can do it again. <laughs> one key, one. you got time. Make another dumb prediction that i can put on bad take boulevard ar platinum i only send one text a day my guy ar platinum <laughs> we need pizza ar we're in the nighttime slot come on no we we love you tony lone star sometimes though we it's sometimes you just get lost in the shuffle sometimes you know there's a bunch of texts that come in you can only be selective and pick out a few uh one one eight five the bad thing is he's going to be double team from the get-go talking about will anderson that's that's a really good point like if you're an offense that's going to match up against the houston texans defense and you're looking at one guy on that defensive line because it's hard to double like the interior guys. It's hard to, to double Sheldon Rankins, Malik Collins. But, like I, I don't think that Grenard's going to get the respect of Will Anderson, who was the number three pick of this draft. Like your focus is going to be on Will Anderson more than any of the other three guys. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's part of the overall that comes with some of the scenario that we painted for you. Best case. I mean, if you've got a guy that looks dominant, and especially because. They're trying to find their way roster-wise. They're continuing to add and get better. But right from the jump, if you know that is the guy on a defense and an offensive coordinator realizes, I got to load up on his side because I know he, he can do he can beat me a lot of different ways where I don't know who else can. And you'd hope that Stingley's a guy on the corner that can basically, kind of like what you're talking about with Dion. he can now be in a, in a position to excel and take away part of the field then you know you've got guys that you did your job, Nick Casario. They're doing their job as players, and you've got guys you can count on. Yeah, I think that – plus, this is where D'Amico makes his money, right? Like, D'Amico, the best schemer in the NFL. D'Amico ran the number one defense last year in the NFL. We know the story. Uh, and I like some of the stuff I saw from D'Amico even in the preseason, which he's not scheming up things in the preseason like he's going to be in the regular season. Uh, this is where D'Amico's got to get you know his guys into to favorable matchups, whether it's the stunt game, whether it's some dummies, whether it's lining up Will Anderson in different spots. They they talked a little bit whenever Will, Will, Will was drafted. Uh, I don't think they're openly going to talk about this now because it's kind of giving away a little bit of strategy, a little bit of X's and O's. There was even talk of Will Anderson playing like in the middle of the line on, mm. on definite pass rushing situations. I don't mind that at all. I don't mind moving him around you get like a, that. You get a third and twelve, like get go stand up everybody yeah, wherever like, and get to a defense. point wherever you can. You know that there's going to be a gap where you know that they're not sending a running back your way too, or you, you you the less of a risk to get a double team and get a quick jump off the ball. Sure, I just. I don't want him there consistently in the middle of the field. No, no, no. I think that's where you can get crushed. Very gimmicky, only pass rushing right. situations, only third and longs, only third and longs. I doubt that they do it a whole lot as rookie year. I doubt they do it early. But if if he if you want to give every single one of your pass rushers out there on a third and twelve, cool, go for it. And if it means that Will Anderson's right over the center and he's standing up, whatever. I don't really care a whole lot about that. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Let's put our Homer hat on for a second. You have to make one Texans bet. You have to make one Texans bet for the entire year. 
Here are the four options here, Blankers. Mm-hmm. You can play the Texans over six and a half wins, which would pay you plus 105. You bet 100, you get 105 bucks. You can play C.J. Stroud, Offensive Rookie of the Year, at plus 850. You can play Will Anderson, who we just talked about, as the Defensive Rookie of the Year at plus 350. Or if you really want to get a little risky, you can take Texans, win the division at plus 850. Look, I can't choose the Super Bowl. This is hilarious to me that Texans winning the division has the same odds as C.J. Stroud winning the Rookie of the Year, by the way. It's funny to me that those have the same odds. Yeah. Doesn't that feel off? What's well, that? it's probably the third person, right? Because it's like C.J.'s third. It's it's Bryce Young and Bijan in front of him. But doesn't it feel odd to you? Like, if I told you what one of these two things is going to happen, C.J. Stroud's going to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year or the Texans are going to win the division. C.J. You, you pull 100 Texans fans... 70% say C.J. Stroud offense rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. So it's Completely. weird to me that they have the same odds. So, I mean, I just eliminated one of them. <laughs> I eliminated one bet that I wouldn't make. But where, do you, where are you making to, these? To me, I, I think the best chance to cash in for me is, is the Will Anderson bet. I, I think that at plus 350, you got a guy that is – it's going to be a two-horse race. It's going to be him and Carter. It's going to be two guys that have a chance to be, in, you know, to be dominant. You worry a little bit about the fact that because of all the guys that Carter is surrounded by that are really already established veteran dominant type football players and some of the guys that he that had the seasons they had a year ago that it's it could be good and bad he could get lost in the shuffle and not have all the stats because there's so many guys that can make plays on that defense or because you have to worry about so many guys on that defense he can actually excel and 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 have more dominant stats I would lean towards those other guys are so good that he might not have the opportunity to make the kind of plays that Anderson can make for the Texans. And I feel really good that he has a real legitimate chance to win the defensive rookie of the year. So that's the way I would go. All right. Blankers has Will Anderson defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, same. I don't I don't know how you make any other bet. Like CJ is the only other one I would really consider. I know I predicted the Texans to do seven wins this year. I regret that. But also there's no value. Plus one oh five. Yeah, like, I'm not getting anything out of that. Like, I, and I think there's a way better chance Will Anderson wins Rookie of the Year than the Texans get seven games. I think so. this is the I think this is the play too. Will Anderson Defensive Rookie of the Year plus three fifty because of the value. Now that's what I was going to ask y'all both after that because you, you just said it. You think that there's a better chance Will Anderson wins Defensive Rookie of the Year than the Texans winning seven or more games? Yeah, because Will Anderson can control that himself. The Texans can win one game and Will Anderson can win Rookie of the Year. He can get ten sure. sacks and have a dominant year on defense, and the Texans can be awful, for them to win six and a half games, I would not have, like, the offensive line's a disaster the first four weeks of the season. We already know that at a minimum. Like, it's just not, it's going to be brutal. Like, it's an easy schedule, but I just, I don't see it at this point. Vegas would tell you that it's easier for seven wins than than Will Anderson to win rookie of the year with with their value. Now, I think that that's where they're wrong, and that's why I go Will Anderson defensive. I think it's easier to win seven games than Will Anderson to win the defensive rookie of the year because of the Vegas odds, but I like the value more, plus 350 Will Anderson versus the plus 105, basically even money uh, for the Texans at six and a half. A lot of the uh, the Twitchers say Will Anderson defensive rookie of the year is interesting. One texter said uh, Will Anderson defensive rookie of the year hammer it. I think it's the obvious pick. I really think it's the obvious pick. I'm not going C.J. Stroud, Offensive Rookie of the Year. I, I really question the firepower this offense has. I don't think the Texans are going to come anywhere close to winning the division, quite honestly. Uh, those are really my only two options, and I don't love the value plus 105. And then selfishly, I got the Texans at plus five. And I got the Texans at five and a half over uh, right around the uh, the draft time, right after the draft. I don't love the odds, but the only other thing in in play here would be 
the over six and a half wins because I think the other thing, yeah. uh, the other things are unrealistic. All right, let's get to a, a professional better. Elise Sterling of Paramount Sports will be joining us next. Uh, college football games to discuss coming up this week. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. Where school savings are always in session. Ends 916. In-store only. Limit 30.